Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. I live in Southern California, Los Angeles. This is Baja Norte. If you do not speak Spanish in Los Angeles, you're missing out on a whole lot. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. And for a very limited time, LeVar Burton Reed's listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash LeVar. That's rosettastone.com slash L-E-V-A-R. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and this is LeVar Burton Reads. In every episode, I handpick a different piece of short fiction, and I read it to you. The only thing these stories have in common is that I love them, and I hope you will too. Before we get started today, y'all, I have some pretty good news. Um... Maybe you've seen uh, some indication of it on my Twitter feed or on the LeVar Burton Reads Facebook discussion group. So here it is. I had such an amazing time traveling around and doing live tapings of the podcast this past spring with authors and local musicians. So I'm going to do it some more. I'm hitting the road again starting this Halloween. This time I'll visit the East Coast of the United States and Canada with a little jaunt through the South and that means I'm coming to Washington, D.C., Toronto, Ontario, Brooklyn, Collingswood, New Jersey, Boston, Austin, Texas, Dallas, and Atlanta. Check out LeVarBurtonPodcast.com slash tour for updates and ticket links. Tickets go on sale this Friday, September 21st. It's very exciting, y'all. Cannot wait to see you on the road. So now that I have that out of my system, let's talk about today's story. You may already know the author Karen E. Bender. She's a novelist and a short story writer. Her last collection was a finalist for the National Book Award. The story today is from Karen's forthcoming collection called The New Order. It'll be out November 6th from Counterpoint Press. It's a story set during the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is about asking for forgiveness, trying to begin the new year with a clean slate, the culmination of a time of self-examination and repentance. And this story is sort of about noise and focus. So, if you're ready, let's take a deep breath. And begin. The Cell Phones by Karen E. Bender.
The rabbi told us, as he always did, to turn off our cell phones before he began the service. So, I pressed that button on the side of the phone and saw its long face go dark. I was ready to reform. After all, it was, again, Rosh Hashanah. It was the beginning of the new year, which meant that it was time to contemplate my various failings and imagine how to become a better person. I stood at the cusp of the year surrounded by other members of Beth M Synagogue, everyone clad in their suits and fine dresses and pumps and satin yarmulkes. How elegant we all looked. How shimmery and crisp and presentable. The scents of rose and orange drifted through the air. It seemed that all of us had taken special care dressing this year. We were shoulder to shoulder. We knew each other, and we didn't. And inside, everyone was grimy in a precise, individual way. We all peered into the ark, its tall oak doors now open. The sheer white curtains floated lightly over the Torahs, adorned in their crimson velvet cases. They looked as though they were ready to go to an expensive restaurant or a wedding. The cantor's voice soared as he sung the deep notes of Avinu Malkin, all of us bowing slightly before the ark, trying to appear humble or concerned, assuming the blank and philosophical expressions particular to the high holy days. The other congregants were so focused, I envied them. There was the temple secretary, Chaya Weiss, skilled at silence while voices argued over her. Her eyes were closed and her eyelid twitched as she perhaps viewed her transgressions, whatever they were. There was Max Lowenstein, ten years old and wriggly. He was still, for a moment, chin-lifted hands by his sides as though at a military parade. And there was Gina Gordon, twelve, standing very straight in three-inch heels, glancing with veiled interest at everyone from her new height. Everyone appeared to be closer to imagining their better selves. I was trying, too, to imagine this, but my mind kept swerving the wrong way. I considered the catalog of my personal failures. There was the time I snapped at the cashier at the supermarket when she refused to give me a student discount, even though I was not a student. There was the fact that I never returned the cashmere sweater that Mara Stein loaned me because I found it soft and comforting in a way I could not release. There was the moment I swooped in and stole a parking place from Stan Tamkin, whose truck was adorned with the worst bumper stickers, and who was sitting, unfortunately, just a few rows away from me. 
There was the time I yelled at those who had done nothing, really, and were just in the way of my anger. And there were the many times I woke up, read the newspaper, and felt like a pancake of defeat. I closed my eyes and tried to see myself as different. I wished I could move through this bruised, shoddy world like a giant, in a way that was grand and brave and, and perhaps even helpful. But whenever I tried to imagine this version of myself, my mind slammed shut. I was a dwarf, of bitterness, and I was not able to access this better self. No, for I was mired in my own personal grievances. I wanted. I wanted everything I shouldn't. I wanted a load of cash and a jacuzzi tub in our bathroom, and everyone to stop yelling. And I wanted everyone in this nation to shut up and listen to me. Why couldn't everyone just listen to me? I wanted sometimes to escape to another life. And I wanted to freeze time so my children and husband would always be who they were at certain perfect moments. And I wanted my family and friends to appreciate the love I wanted to lavish on them. But everyone kind of preferred their own sort of love, which was their choice, naturally, but it sometimes made me sad. I wanted my parents and an aunt and some friends who were dead to be alive again. And I could not get accustomed to and even bitterly resented their deadness. I wanted my brother to stop being mad because I had taken the best chandelier out of our parents' dining room. I wanted the cats to stop napping and clean up the house. I wanted to eat ten Intamin's coffee cakes and not gain a pound. I wanted to climb back into my mother and try again to be born. I wanted to go completely deaf when some people were talking, and I wanted others to simply vanish. I wanted to ram my car into the minivan of Angela Price, whose son bullied mine. I wanted, how I wanted, to grab hold of and repair my broken nation before it slipped away and vanished. I looked at the congregants standing around me. They all gazed at the ark, faces slowly starting to open. Everyone appeared to be reasonably alert. I did not know what any of them wanted from themselves or from our nation, but I knew what I did. 
I wanted a nation in which our leaders never lied and hosted lively dinners with fact-checkers who were elected to office because of their adherence to the truth. I wanted a nation where, if people got sick, there would be no annoying paperwork. They would be cared for swiftly, tenderly, and the only concern would be that they get well. I wanted a nation that did not conjure suspicion about entire groups of people and did not assault or kill them. A nation where everyone could look each other kindly in the eye and say hello. I wanted a nation that did not just roll around naked and panting in piles of money and where people who held fistfuls of it were actually able to say, here, you have some too. I wanted a nation that did not order those who wanted to be here to just get out, go away, and brutally cart them off, but instead welcomed them and invited them for tea. I wanted a nation where women could stroll leisurely through dark parking lots, city streets, everywhere, and never look behind them because they would never have any fear. I wanted a nation where a person could go to school or shopping or wherever and never worry about whether it was smarter to dive under a chair or run. I wanted a nation where people did not view one another as zombies because they were not zombies, because they wanted the best, not just for themselves, but also for each other. I wanted a nation where people loved one another, even strangers, because they had that much feeling inside of them, because they were that alive. I sort of wanted to repent, but really, I wanted others to repent. I wanted the whole damned world to repent, to stop muttering and behaving badly, and just for once, be good. Then a cell phone started to ring. It was a cheery, slightly irritating tune, the unmistakable melody of a device that wanted you to grab it and make it stop playing. I thought, what idiot left his cell phone on and looked around, and then I realized with a jab of horror that the melody was coming from somewhere around my feet. The ringing phone was mine. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. 
If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Now, let's get back to our story. I grabbed my bag. How could my phone be on? I had turned it off. We were in the middle of services. I was not this dumb. My hands were shaking, and I fumbled with the phone, forgetting how to turn it off. The damn thing kept ringing. My hands were as clumsy as enormous mitts and somehow could not figure out how to silence the phone, so instead, I answered it. Marry me, said a stranger's voice. The members standing in the pew behind me glared. The cantor's voice soared grand through the room. A wrong number, I whispered. Please, you know I'd be good, said the voice. I was trembling. Everyone in the congregation knew the phone belonged to me. They were concentrating very intently on their holiness, oh, the pure focus of their blank faces, and I had interrupted them. Stop, I said, and hung up. I pressed the button on the side, the power button, so the phone would turn off and I could get back to my quest for a higher self. The phone rang again. What the hell? The phone was off. Seriously. Now the cantor was looking none too happily at me. I answered it. Yes, I whispered. I'm calling about the job, said a woman, sounding nervous. There's no job, I hissed. But I need it, she said. Please, give it to me, now. I hung up. I looked around. The activity by the ark had ceased. There was no pretense of worship anymore. I shrank to a puddle of shame. Happy Rosh Hashanah from me, the idiot whose cell phone had gone off. Twice. Honey... Don't you know how to turn your phone off? Asked Eva, whose husband died a year ago. I held out the phone as evidence. Eva's best friend, Harriet, who ran a catering business, sat beside her. Skeptically, she eyed the phone. Apparently she does not, Harriet murmured to Eva. It's off, I said. I swear. I could feel everyone staring at me. How had I been so thoughtless, so careless? Didn't I see how others were trying to better themselves? Why couldn't I? Didn't I want to? Or was I perhaps a saboteur of others' desire to improve? Another phone rang. 
But this time it wasn't mine. Thank all gods everywhere. Everyone looked around. Another tinny melody erupted across the room. A woman gasped and rummaged through her purse. She brought it out, the phone happily ringing away. It was off, she cried, but she answered it on speaker. I got a bad diagnosis, a man's voice said. I've got to quit my job and hire someone to take my place. But to hell with it. I won't. Another phone rang. Then another. The rabbi and cantor, the temple president, various high-ranking members stood bewildered, suddenly ineffectual in the presence of these spirited ringtones. All the phones were going off at once, and the entire congregation seemed to be scrambling through their purses and pockets, pulling out their phones and answering them. My phone was ringing again, too. Each time I shut it off, it burst into its fierce song. Each time it rang, a person wanted something, urgently, or they were going to act. If the elevator keeps breaking, I'm suing the building, now! If you tweet those photos of yourself, I swear, I will take your phone and smash it against the wall. Stop! I kept saying and snapping my phone off. Would they just shut up already? Who wanted to hear the world's complaints? The world was mad, as in disappointed, humiliated, hurt, resentful, confused, lost, and everyone had personal solutions to this, most of which were inadvisable. They were human. Most solutions were inadvisable. All of the congregants were answering their phones and going pale. No one was listening to the calls, but instead everyone was annoyed and confused by the rush of the ringtones. But the calls kept coming on and on, and the pleas became more high-pitched and urgent. The cell phones sang and bleeped and whirred and filled the sanctuary with an unholy ruckus, and no one knew what to do. Rabbi, how do we make it stop? The rabbi gazed bewildered upon all of us. He clearly didn't know. My phone rang again. My dog ran away, the woman said. I don't want to leave the house. I was about to hang up, but this time the phone trembled. Living. Warm in my hand, there was a feeling in her voice that I understood. A sadness. The most human sound in the world. I understood this more than any words, so I did not turn off the phone. I know, I said. Sometimes I feel the same way. I waited. There was the sound of a human breathing. Thank you, said the voice, and hung up. The phone shuddered in my palm, and then it was off. It seemed to be off. I almost wanted to call her and continue the discussion, but I did not. Then I heard very clearly the voice inside the phone of Frida Sonnenbaum. 
who was standing beside me. In her phone, a man said, And for the last year, George, my son, started drinking and he won't talk to me. My son. I drove him across the whole state of North Carolina for his basketball games when he was a kid, and he was an honor student in college, and he drove drunk to our house and we started meetings, but I just want to drive to his apartment, grab the bottles of liquor, and empty them into the street. This man was upset. Of course he was, but I heard something else in his voice, too. I grabbed Frida's phone. She was a realtor and not one who relinquished her phone easily, but this time she did. It's hard, I said. I know it is. There was silence. Yep, said the man and hung up. Frida stared at me. I gently placed the quiet phone in her hand. The phones exploded into sound over and over in the room until this, until the person who answered the phone did not tell the one on the other end to stop. The phones were adamant, ferocious for attention, their rings shrieking so that it felt as though they would reside forever in the air. But, As soon as we said something to the person on the other end, anything but stop, the phones ceased their ringing. One by one, the ringing vanished, and after a few minutes, finally, all the cell phones in the temple were silent. The silence in the room seemed new. It seemed enormous. The congregation looked a bit shaken. My ears felt a bit tender from all the buzzing, all of the sorrows and complaints of the world. I was depleted, but now the air was pure as glass. In this silence, I felt I could hear everything, or I could try, perhaps, to listen. We stood in front of the rabbi, who gazed at all of us, pleased. We are all ready now? He asked us. We were. I think we were ready. There was so much to fix in the world. It was still muttering and hot and despairing and mad, and I wasn't a giant at all. I wasn't, but, well, wasn't dust either. I was a hopeful resident of the world. I stood with my fellow congregants in this room, feeling their presence beside me. We were all paying attention now, our minds unfastened. We looked to the year along their plain that had not yet been ruined. Here it was. The new year was beautiful because it was a time to start over. The new year was beautiful because it was new. All right, then, the rabbi said. Let's begin.
Karen Bender has given us a gem, a little jewel here. It's short, but it's it's packed with meaning. What I love uh, about this story is the voice, because it's a voice I recognize. I- even though I'm I'm not a Jewish woman married with a husband and children, I relate to this woman and her life and how fast it seems to be moving and how harried she seems to be. I recognize the frustration that she has in the world around her and most specifically I relate to her deep, deep despair at the state of our nation and where we seem to be going, the direction in which we seem to be heading and I too long for a fresh start, some way to push reset and start from scratch, start fresh. And so it's a story like this that reminds me of of the need for renewal, a renewal to the commitment to just simply be a good person and not be so full of judgment and anger and resentment at uh, all of the others in my life. Those whom I find it more convenient to call idiots and nincompoops. They are me too. A friend of mine, Olivia, says there is only one of us about the human race. There is only one of us, she says. I believe her. I think we just need to act as such. Our producer on this episode of LeVar Burton Reads is the best in the business, Julia Smith. Our assistant producer is Audrey Gno. Our editing and sound design is by Misha Stanton. And thanks to our consulting producer, Mr. Adam Diver. And my thanks to Ryan Connor for engineering today's episode. Thank you, Ryan, for your engineering expertise. I'd also like to thank Karen Bender for allowing me to read her story. You can find it in her forthcoming collection entitled The New Order. Again, it's out on November 6th from Counterpoint Press. Pick up your copy. You can pre-order it now. And Karen has other novels and short stories out there for your enjoyment. Check out Karen E. Bender, B-E-N-D-E-R dot com. And hey, if you love the show, and why wouldn't you? and want to help other people find it, it's easy to do. Simply leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcast. And in your review, give me a heads up on a story you'd like me to read on the podcast. We'll be back next week with another hand-picked story. But with Stitcher Premium, you can hear next week's episode right now. Plus get a bonus interview with Amal El-Mahtar. Yes, the author of The Truth About Owls. You will only hear that interview on Stitcher Premium, plus other author conversations. Just go to stitcherpremium.com slash LeVar and use the promo code LeVar, L-E-V-A-R, for one month free. LeVar Burton Reads is a production of Stitcher. 
Our executive producers are Chris C.B. Bannon and Jenny Radelette of the Flying Radelette Sisters. I'm LeVar Burton. You can find me on Twitter at LeVar Burton and LeVar.Burton on Instagram. And for the children in your life, check out LeVar Burton Kids' Skybrary app with books and videos at LeVarBurtonKids.com. I'll see you next time, but you don't have to take my word. Stitcher. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.